Hey, Aaron, it's Thistledown John, and uh, I know I was going to host, but I'm feeling really sick. I I think I got a, a bad batch of pancake puppies at Denny's. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, hey, uh, Aaron, heard uh, you needed somebody to help you with the podcast. Uh, Sean here, uh, thing is, the itching and the burning, it's it's gotten worse, so I've got to head down to the clinic. So uh won't be able to help you out there, man, but, uh, you know, Best of luck. Uh, um, hey, I'm going to have to um, call in sick. I'm totally not going to make it in tomorrow. Uh, wait, um, no, uh, t- today. <laughs> See, I'm just uh, I'm just not feeling well. Hey, hey, dude, leave that alone. It's your own, freak. A- anyway, I'm, I'm not. Hey, Jen. A- anyway, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to. Whoa, 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 not yet, not yet. Got to teach I'm not going to, I'm not going to come <laughs> Come in tomorrow, cause, cause seriously, I can, I can guarantee you that I'll be puking my guts up real soon. Toodles. Is that Andrew? Uh, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> the Sons of Thunder welcome you, Andrew. <laughs> We're changing our name. I got so excited that you got here that I shot the little dart out of the top of it too. <laughs> oh God! Premature. Premature. Mm. Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. And this is Andrew. Howdy, howdy. Hey, everybody. We're not excited. We are not excited about your intro, Aaron. Well, clearly. Clearly. We said, you know what? We're done. We're on strike this week. (laughs) Your own comics. (laughs) (laughs) Read your own damn comics and make your own opinions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, have you guys heard about Thwipster? I, no. I don't know what this is. I don't All either. Right. Thwipster, you know, you know how like you've got Groupon and shit like that, where it's like today only get fifty percent off, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, like Indian food, twenty dollars worth of food for ten bucks, that kind of thing. That's right. a whole I, lot of indigestion. <laughs> but I mean, everyone's heard of Groupon, right? Right. No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right, everyone who I've heard of things like it, though. Yes, there are very there are plenty of similar things. Um, you know, they it's like half price food. Uh, most of it's food. You know, sometimes services like massages and shit like that. Um, <laughs> well, they have a new one called Thwipster, like Thwip, like Spider Man Thwip, Thwipster, and it's for geeks. And it's a, a daily like a daily special on some type of trade paperback or something like that. Um, like right now they've got fantastic Four: the world's greatest hard cover, uh, which is written by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. And it's 1299 and it's normally a $25 book huh. or they have the walking dead book three hardcover, which is normally 35 bucks and they've got it for 19. Huh. 
It's like 50% off deals on hardcovers and trade paperbacks and stuff like that. And it's a like a new deal every day. It, it, it's pretty cool. Huh. Huh. And, and the, <laughs> huh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm excited because, you know, it's a way for me to blow money pretty much every day now. <laughs> well, and you needed that. I needed I needed some way to buy comics every day. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were getting to the point where you were just setting your money on fire to get rid of it. You had you had nowhere else to spend it. Well, you know, pa- Paula Ponte does have that Bruce Wayne level wealth. I, I do. You know, I was asking people, random people on the street, "Hey, what's your name?" I'm going to put you on my American Express card. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we stole his bank account information, we were shocked by the credit lines we had. That's true. That's yeah. true. It's this awesome. house I'm sitting in right now, paid for by that credit card. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I own a child from every country. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what left other than comics every day? So, uh, so, so, so little Johnny from uh, Micronesia finally came in? Finally. <laughs> you know, they, they, they didn't poke holes in the box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. a little brain dead. You know, he's oh. a little slow, but... We love him nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to feed him very often, so we're good. We name uh, him all Little Johnny, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're growing the next generation of podcasters over at Paul's house. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're hey, we're a multinational podcast. When that's, we go that's, worldwide, how we get, that's how we grow our downloads around here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny Books Incorporated. <laughs> okay, Paul. Mark, so this, this Swipster site... I, I think it's going to be your responsibility to tell us if there's anything good on there, because they don't seem to have an RSS feed for their their sale stuff. So I'm not going to be going to the site every. But they do have Twitter week. and Facebook. They have RSS feed for the comments. Like if you comment about the article, you can follow that. But they don't seem to have a feed just for their posts, their new deals. That's kind of odd to me. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty cool. What kind of sucks is I first heard about it, I think, on Monday. And, like, the first two days, they had books that I wanted, and they sold out in like before I could get to the deals. Yeah. So, wow. you know, uh, the world's fi- the world's greatest hardcover. I mean, since then, things have been kind of, you know, fine. They've increased their inventory and stuff like that. But the first couple of days, um, I mean, stuff has just been selling out. So it's kind of one of those things you have to keep an eye on. But if anything good comes up, I'll let you know. That's right. Some people have RSS feeds. We have a Paul feed. We have Paul feed. And Paul feed and Paul money. Yep. Paul, you, you need to read the, the entire internet for us each week so we don't have to. <laughs> I would do that. If you could do that, that would be awesome, Paul. That's <laughs> <laughs> the biggest waste of my money was paying for that Wonder Woman pilot that NBC didn't pick up. Yeah. <laughs> Although she did look good in the outfit. She did. No. So they didn't I pick have... it up, huh? No. Nope. No, NBC said, no, we're not doing that. NBC, who greenlighted the cape, said no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they learned their lesson. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, okay, it's it, the quality couldn't be worse than the cape, and you've got a pair of boobs running around. Well, and you've got built-in Come name on, recognition. That too. And it's like, Very you know, I've got, I've got mixed feelings, because if it was going to fail, like I'm pretty sure it would have anyways, I'm kind of... Maybe happier that it didn't have a chance to. You know, I really want to see the pilot. I don't yeah. know if that's going to become available anywhere, but I, I would love to see the pilot to see what uh what they were basing the decision on, see what they had. Well, you know, they did make the failed Aquaman pilot available online a couple of years back, so maybe they'll do the maybe they'll do the Wonder Woman pilot. 
I mean, it amazes me that a show like Birds of Prey can get a whole season. Birds of Prey was Wonder good. Woman can't even get the, uh, you know, part of season. I loved Birds of Prey. My wife did too. Yeah, it I, seemed like a chick show, chick show to me. I, <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed. I think Gilmore Wayne Girl. just called me a woman. I, I think that's what just happened. I'm, I'm, I'm going to replay that just to be sure, but I'm pretty sure he just said, "By the way, Aaron, you've got a vajayjay." <laughs> Well, yeah, because I was about to say. Well, I didn't say those words, but I was about to until you <laughs> cut me off with it. I enjoy Gilmore Girls. And I think that's pretty much the same show as Birds of Prey. So, <laughs> I think there's a lot of difference between Birds of Prey and Gilmore Girls. Aaron. Exactly the same. You know, Black Canary was Rory. And Oracle. You know their names? <laughs> yeah, I was th- I was thinking he said Golden Girls, and I'd be like, okay, I can I can get down with this. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, another show they didn't pick up um, was Lock and Key. They were going to do they did a pilot for Lock and Key, which is based on the the Joe Hill IDW comic book. Yeah, and um, apparently it was you know getting good reviews and everything, but they felt it was too complicated. Ooh. So they the the network felt it was too complicated uh, from the very get go because usually they just like to fool people into thinking like shit is innocent and then they get complicated later like Fringe and Lost. Right. But since that show was complicated from the beginning, they didn't pick it up. Yeah. And so I'm kind which of is the opposite of Wonder Woman, which is pretty straight to the point. Here's a girl with boobs running, <laughs> and she beats up bad guys. You know what's funny? It's it's an hour long show, right? I mean, they probably spent what like six weeks filming that hour long show. Yeah. The only pictures you find from the set are Wonder Woman running down the street. Well, yeah, that's really all you need. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's it is an hour. It is sixty minutes of Wonder Woman running down the street. Well, you know, it, it's surprising to me that they didn't pick it up because the original Wonder Woman TV show was so successful. And you would think that they'd at least want that momentary blip. And you can't tell me that uh, the rest of NBC's new fall lineup is so good because look at the crap they put on the air. The last I wonder week. if the costume drama actually played a part in it. When those first pictures were released and it, people on the internet were going crazy about how horrible it looked until they went back and tweaked the costume, mm-hmm. that may have had some impact on their decision here too. It you already know, has drama before the pilot's out. But the problem with doing – with basing your decision on geek reaction is that geeks hate everything. That's right. I mean there will be something – there will be – you know, the geeks who post on message boards and stuff like that will, you know, are the ones who complain. Like I didn't have any problem with the costume. I didn't post anything. But everyone who had a problem with the costume posted. And so you know, it's just, oh, such negative reaction. I'm like, eh, it was fine. It's a Wonder Woman costume. What do I give a shit? Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's surprising to me because, you know, when you see that uh, somebody like the CW approves and keeps a show like Smallville on the air for so long uh, that Wonder Woman couldn't make it. But maybe it'll, Wonder Woman will find a home on the CW now yep. that Smallville is over. It'll fit right in that time slot. That's right. <laughs> right after Supernatural or before Supernatural. Wonder well, Woman, Supernatural. Isn't, isn't Supernatural over this no. year? Series, they, are they doing one? Finale. Yeah, I thought they're it was doing a series season. finale. Huh. Okay. So, yeah, okay. It fit right in with Supernatural. <laughs> so, so, did you guys watch Smallville last night? Oh, my God. It was awful. I hated it. <laughs> oh, my God. It was awful. Did I, you notice that they never actually gave us a good, clear shot of him in the costume? Uh-huh. They, well, it was all... The <laughs> at the, there was all dark lighting, and it was... 
you know, every time you see him flying, there was some trick of camera. Yeah. So you can't clearly see it. And then when they do need to sh- to have him, you know, be doing something, they would zoom in on his face. So you can't see any of the costume at all. Well, and, and then CGI for the distance shots. Yep. Yeah. And the actor was never in the costume. He was never in the costume. Like at the end, he's running and he opens his shirt. That's CG. Is it really? Yeah. He was never actually in the costume. If you watch it again, he must have been wearing like a green shirt or a blue shirt or something. And they CG imposed the Superman and all that stuff. He was never – if you look, he was never actually in the costume. I'm like, seriously? Ten fucking years you couldn't put the guy in a costume for two minutes. I thought thought it was a horrible show. You know, they had all this buildup to Darkseid and Apocalypse for no payoff at all. None. I mean, okay, so he, okay, I'm, I'm putting on the suit that you're not going to see me in, and then he just pushes Apocalypse away. Yeah. We don't get <laughs> to see him do it. And, and I he, had, my, here's my experience. Now, Wayne, I know that you have been a regular viewer, right? On and off, yeah. And Paul, you, you've certainly been on and off the show, but I think you've watched most of this season, right? Yeah. I've watched every episode this season, I think. Now, I dropped off as a regular viewer back in season three. And I think the only other show that I've watched since season three was the JSA episode that we talked about uh, earlier in the year. Well, uh, or I guess in 2010 is when we talked about the JSA episode. So I'm watching this thing, and I'm spending a lot of my time fast-forwarding through all of the soap opera teen drama bullshit, which is, you know, 50, uh, 95% of the show. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just... Shut up. I mean, the whole time I'm going, shut up. Stop talking. Stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) But they get to this scene where, you know, he's at the Fortress of Solitude. And, oh, by the way, how many flashbacks can we do? How how many video montages of Lex remembering all of his drama and Clark remembering all of his that we can cram into the show? He has the big moment. Yay that Terrence Stamp is the voice of Jarrell, but he has this big moment where he accepts Jarrell and Jarrell tells him he's proud and the suit is presented to him. You never see him put it on. You never see him wearing it except in distant shots and, you know, the CGI thing that Paul's talking about. World's blowing up in the sky. You know, you've got apocalypse up there. And I mean, literally, Superman's on the scene and you just kind of see it, the the drama happening off in the distance. Well, and you know what's sad? You know, so Smallville, Superman has never done anything bigger than pick up a car. Yeah. Or Clark Kent has never done anything bigger than pick up a car. Suddenly, in the season finale, he is pushing an entire planet away. Yeah, that was going to be my next big complaint, too. <laughs> We've... We have never seen his power level even remotely at that. And I I get that maybe he was holding back all this time. And now that he can finally fly, he has more strength, too. But not of that greater level than we've seen. I mean, we have seen him do some feats of strength, but nothing to indicate, you know, pushing planet-level powers. (laughs) Well, and, you know, apparently he can kill Darkseid with one punch, too. You know, you're building up an entire season for a villain who possesses an old guy. And then Superman knocks him out with one punch and, you know, oh, I'm glad I waited 22 episodes for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it you know, sucks so bad. Really, all I was looking for out of the finale was him putting on the costume and flying. That's the big payoff for the 10 years of the show is that, OK, it's finally over. He's Superman. And we did get that. We just never saw it on screen ever. And I've got to say it was one of the most unsatisfying series finales ever and for 10 years to be that unsatisfying 
I mean, oops, sorry, I dropped something. Um, <laughs> I, I, I hope my wife isn't going to be pissed at me. <laughs> <laughs> what did but, you um, drop, Paul? What did you uh, drop? It's a candle snuffer, and it just kind of broke in half. Uh-oh. Oh, I, I shouldn't Paul. have been messing with it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> anyway, we, we were talking about Smallville. Uh-huh. And um, no, it was just – it was everything was rushed except the wedding. So we spent an hour and a half. Oh, God, that wedding, wedding scene that doesn't was happen. terrible. <laughs> you know, and and then, why couldn't we get some of the other heroes? We have yeah. plenty of Green Arrow. What about Flash? What about you know Black Canary, Martian Manhunter? I wanted to see him again, actually doing something. They have been that character has been the biggest tease in this whole show because he's only done something once or twice out of the entire run of the show. But you got lots of dead John Kent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the ghost of Jonathan Kent. Who can just... who can hold a costume? Yeah, he's a ghost, but he can hold it hands your stuff. <clears throat> that was the, terrible. The finale was one of those types of finales that I really hate where they're going to do it as a two hour finale. But instead of doing it as a two hour movie type of event, it's two episodes back to back, you know, and I know they do that for syndication, but it irritates the tar out of me. Um, and so that fir- that first hour is almost all of it's in the chapel for a wedding that doesn't occur. Um and the the vows that they're sharing with each other and the way they shot it, you know, the, the they're doing a voiceover as their mouths are moving, you know, uh, it was it was more style over substance, and I didn't care for the style. Well, and the sad thing is, other episodes this season paid the price for this episode. What I mean is, the last episode they had the one before this one, they had a, quite a few plans for it mm-hmm. that they pulled because they didn't have the budget because yeah. all of their budget was going to this two-hour finale and the special effects looked horrible. You know what I, my favorite part of this episode was, though? Hmm. So their wedding falls through, right? They wait seven goddamn years yeah. to try again. Yeah. I kind of took that as a they've been trying all this time and every time it falls through. Oh, <laughs> I kind of took it as eh, we'll just get to it when we get to it. Yeah, oh, it's been seven years. Holy shit. Yeah, that's that's a long time between uh, scheduled dates. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the one of the scenes that I thought was more ridiculous than others is the scene where Green Arrow is standing in front of the three people that are possessed with anti-life or whatever. The three bad guys. And he's got his three arrows in the bow and he shoots them, right? And mm-hmm. it's just a straight shot and it's just, you know, there's no there's no trick to it. There's really no artistry. It's just they stand there, they get hit with arrows and they all die. Yeah, that was very anticlimactic too because yeah. what you haven't seen this season is they've built up to him fighting them. He yeah. was taken and tortured by them. And then he just shows up and shoots them all with one arrow apiece. Yeah, and I'm just like – They weren't just possessed people, Aaron. That was Granny Goodness. Um, two of other, two other of Dark Side. Desaad. Desaad and um, the guy who, the the talky guy, the one, man, the manipulator guy. Manipulator guy. Yeah. Manipulator guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember his name, but yeah, there were yeah. It was it was three of Dark Side's minions. They weren't just possessed. Well, it was all kinds of suck, is what it was. 
Yeah, I am. I am shocked that the the season finale, the series finale of Smallville, was a disappointment. To you well, guys. what I found surprising about it is that there have been standout episodes of Smallville, particularly in the way that they've shot certain effects. Like I always the the scenes in from earlier seasons where you know Clark was under the influence of red kryptonite, so he could fly when he had red kryptonite, right? You know, when he was when he was dark Clark. Yeah. <laughs> um, Clark. And those were some really cool scenes, like, you know, when, you know, Clark flies up to Lex's airplane, pulls the door off, comes in, you know, wrecks up the place and then flies back out. I always thought that was kind of cool, you know, and the, the just immensity of power that they would show bubbling around Clark when he was actually in the fullness of his power. And so there is there was kind of that moment in the fortress where he's getting ready to fly for the first time, I guess, under his own control, knowledge, etc., and that just wasn't as cool as some of the other stuff they've done. So my wife's watching it with me, and when he busts out of the fortress, she turns over to me and goes, with all those holes in the fortress, he's got to bust a new one to fly out. Exactly. Yeah. Why did you have to bust up half of your fortress to fly? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a piece of shit. For, yeah, for it 10 was. years, it was a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that I was forward thinking enough to realize it was going to end badly and just never watched it from the get-go. Well, you know, I only watched it yesterday because I was like, uh, you know, this is the storyline that I'm waiting for is, you know, him becoming Superman. And it was it was just awful and really very little payoff. Well, yeah. And was... no topless Chloe. What the fuck? <laughs> it's not like even some side ending. boob. I would you know, I would I could have gone. <laughs> side it seemed like a rushed ending and I it really didn't feel the payoff. I thought the whole point was going to be he's going to get in the costume and inspire people, and that's what's going to beat Darkseid. But no, he's just going to push the planet away. Why does that bust the symbol on everyone's head? The symbol was there before the planet was sitting there. This doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> they don't know who it is pushing the planet away. They just know there's a planet. Now there's not. Well, and I'm curious as to why they chose not to show him in the suit. I mean, was it because he just looked ridiculous in the suit? Is it they didn't want to pay for a new suit? Is it that they didn't like how you know homoerotic the suit was from the Brandon Routh movie? Um, I mean, what was the reasoning for not showing Clark in the suit? I the think they just didn't one? want to pay for it. I think they just didn't want to buy a suit. Yeah. And but you know, mean, how expensive could it have suit. been? You've got the guy who makes, you know, like the... The guys who make fan films yeah. who wear Superman. And, you know, if you're fit, it looks fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. it was it was bad. And then, you know, then you have Chloe reading the the origin of Superman to her son yeah. on the bookends. And I'm like, wait, so they published a comic <laughs> <laughs> about how he grew up in Smallville. <laughs> yeah, telling yeah. the entire secret origin of Superman, or did you know? Did she just hire Gary Frank to do that comic specifically for her kid? Okay, but let's let's be clear here. In this continuity, seven years from now, DC Comics are still two ninety nine. <laughs> 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 they are they still in, the line at two ninety nine on in, the cover. In the year two thousand eighteen, comics are still two ninety nine. <laughs> just saying. That's something to look forward to. <laughs> they're they're two pages long. <laughs> <sighs> uh, All right. Well, we were grossly disappointed, but yet not surprised by how crappy small the Smallville finale was. But perhaps we'll find some surprises and enjoyment and maybe a little uh, a little quality in the comics that we read this week. 
And first up is Journey into Mystery, Fear Itself tie-in number 623. Tim, should let Tim talk now, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I, thought I might let the Timster have a word or two to say. Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, I, I got some grief about not getting Journey into Mystery. And I didn't have a whole lot of stuff on my on my list this week, so I figured I'd give it a try. Um, and like Paul and Aaron said last time, this is very much a story about the the new Loki. And um, you know, Paul described him as very Damon Damian Wayne esque. And I, you know, I I, I sort of agree there. You definitely get a little bit of a, a, a trickster edge to the character, which is good because he's supposed to be the god of mischief. And you know, I I, I really like the art in this book, and I like the story. So I, you know, I I it was overall solid. I mean, the 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 story they're telling is how Loki is, um, you know, getting a bigger picture as to what's going on with the uh, return of the serpent. So and how he decides uh, to. Uh, come about trying to uh, fix that problem. And there's a really cool scene with him when he sneaks he sneaks uh, into his brother's uh, jail cell, and it just has a heart to heart with Thor. That was a very cool moment. I thought. What, what did you guys think of the book? I dug it. Um, I, I I liked how they. Uh, I, I like that we're seeing more of the true. Um, uh, Norse mythology coming in to the story. You know, it seems like if you're if you're telling Thor stories in Marvel, you're either a hundred percent mythology or you're a hundred percent superhero. And few of the of the Thor writers have really blended those. And we've seen a lot more of that since JMS rebooted the, the series. And I'm dig- like the in this issue they talked about Thor's goats. You know, the, the 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 goats that pull his chariot, which is straight out of the the Norse mythology. And I loved how they tied it in to the story and how, you know, they talk about the the bridal that Thor had uh, built so that he could, you know, tame these, you know, two stubborn goat deities because <laughs> they're goat gods. And uh, uh, Loki uses it to his own ends, you know, for his own mount, you know, for what he's going to be riding around. And, of course, he's, he's riding this giant Norse hellhound. Thought it was pretty cool. And I gotta say, um, I really, I really have enjoyed the last two issues uh-huh. of Journey into Mystery. I love the Loki, the Loki character, and I, like I said, I think I like the Loki character so much because he does remind me of like a Norse Damian Wayne. Um, but I have to disagree with Tim. I feel the art is weak on this book. Oh, really? I feel I would enjoy this book more if if they put Olivia Copiel on the art in this book. I just I don't like the way that I, Doug Braithwaite. I guess uh-huh. I'm just not a fan of this art. I'm really not. I, do you think it's the the Braithwaite pencils, or do you think it's the areola coloring? I don't mind the coloring. I got to okay. be honest. I don't mind the coloring. Um, but like the end with the uh, the the creature that he is uh, taming. Yes. I, I felt that could have had a better impact with better art. Oh, so I I, I, the art just didn't impress me. Oh wow, I really dug it. I thought it worked well for yeah, the story. I get more of a Grimm's fairy tales yeah. vibe off of it, which I think fits well if we're calling this journey into mystery, not Thor. I agree. You, you don't have to tell me, Paul. I, I love Olivier Copiel, and I wish that he was doing a Thor book I could read. <laughs> you know, but uh, um, for for this story for Loki, I, I 
I, it feels at more Asgardian than superhero. The art does. Yeah. To me. No, I, I agree. I think it suits the story. It suits that fantastical element um, to Asgard and and the other uh, other realms. I, I thought it was great. You know, and I, I, I love <laughs> I love you know clear crisper art. I really do, which surprises me that I'm defending this, but it just it feels right for this book. Yeah. To me. I don't know. I mean, it, I got to be honest. I'm going to stay with the book, um, despite I, I didn't hate the art. It just I I would have preferred a different style of art. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm going to stick with the book. I, I like if Kieran Gillen continues writing a, a young Loki book. You know, if this is the path they're going to stick for a while. I could see myself reading this, even if the Mighty Thor ends up sucking. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> excuse me. That's what I like about it is that it's a completely separate storyline. You know, it, it, it's not a book that, that has to have Thor in it. You know, it's a book that can tell other stories. And as long as it's focusing on Loki like it is now, I think I'm on. You know, I, I wouldn't even be opposed to a Warriors 3, like, arc. Yeah, no, I, I would be. Depending on how that's written, but I mean, yeah. like, this is the book to tell that story. Yeah, I'd be happy to see all kinds of stuff, all kinds of the, the Asgardians flowing through this. You know, so I, I love that that uh, you know Loki is is breaking the the big hellhound creature, and, and he, he says, you know, what I ask servitude, and let's make it total servitude for for you trying to snap me asunder. And the creature finally says, yes, yes, master. For as long as I live, I will only think about what joy it'd be to bite you in half. This <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> good book. So, big question next week. Thor, the World Eaters, which is the Matt Fraction arc that led up to Fear itself, that we you know we read the first two issues and didn't care for, but the entire arc is collected. Is anybody thinking about picking it up in trade? In trade? Oh hell's no. Nope. Negative. <laughs> I'm just curious. No, I, I you know I'll probably thumb through it because I didn't look at any of the other stuff, but no, I don't see me picking that up because I, it, it, you know, what's keeping me on the new Thor book, you know, is the story's not chasing me off, and I love the Copiel artwork, and I didn't care for the for the style of the artwork in the uh, in the earlier Matt Fraction arc. So, I mean, the the artist was certainly competent. I just didn't think it matched the story well. No, I, I'm a. There's going to be a point in this Loki story where. I'm going to be concerned. So it's not there yet, but as long as, as young Loki stays sufficiently and uh, significantly different than old Loki, I'll be, I'll be on board. I agree. Yeah. If, if he starts to seem a lot more like the, the person that he replaced, I'm going to, I might not, I, I definitely would not enjoy it as much. See, and I like the dynamic that Thor and Loki are actually friendly right now. You know, and that, and that that you know Loki feels you know an honor and a duty towards his brother. Thor feels the same way. I like that dynamic, and I think when they venture away from that, I'm going to be less inclined to enjoy the book. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Just because he's a trickster guy doesn't mean he has to be a complete blood enemy. Well, you know, in the pages of Journey into Mystery, we have a new Loki, and over in Marvel Comics, we have new mutants. You know, I'll admit I only picked this book up because I knew that this was where the Return of X-Man was going to be started. And I am a huge fan of that character. I have been since the Age of Apocalypse. That's uh, X-Man Nate Gray. And so, you know, I wasn't expecting much out of it, just the return of the character. I was completely blown away, and this is my book of the week. 
the the writing in here, it's Abnett and Lanning, is incredible. It's the it's the perfect jumping on point. You know, I haven't I've missed X Men, and this is a good X Men story. They're starting this whole new storyline where we get to see more of Jerk Cyclops, where <laughs> he basically he decides it's time. Ileana did something in one of the miniseries that I didn't read that he feels she's no longer to be trusted and she needs to be locked up for. So he sends everyone that cares about Ileana off on a secret mission to uh, basically destroy some Nimrod technology that's taken over a factory. So he can have everyone else stand in the room behind her while he has the conversation with her. And it's one of those moments where we see this calculating Cyclops that we've seen so much lately, where he's just being a jackass, you know, sends Colossus, Wolverine, all of them off on a mission so he can lock her up in a cage. And you you know we're going to see more fallout from that between him and Colossus. But overall, the this direction, I like the sound of it. The whole purpose of New Mutants from this point on is to clean up the X-Men's mess. <laughs> Cyclops has a, a list of, here are the things that we haven't followed up on because everything keeps falling apart on us. This is your, you know, this is your mission, is to take all this unfinished business and one by one, go fix it. And the first mission is find X-Man. Find him and bring him home. We'll see what happens when he brings him, if they actually bring him back, if he's going to try the same thing. He's too powerful. Lock him up in a cage. But, yeah, I I was blown away. I was shocked. I actually have an X-Men book I'm going to be reading regularly now. And big props to Abnett and Landing. The writing in this is incredible. The art is great, too. So, quick question for you, Wayne. Yeah. How how much was New Mutants? It was $3.99. Oh, it was $3.99. Because did anybody else notice that Marvel has dropped some of their books to two ninety nine and made them twenty pages, just like DC? I have not noticed this. Journey into Mystery was twenty pages at two ninety nine. The only Marvel book <laughs> I bought this week that was two ninety nine looks to be FF. I don't think FF was twenty pages. It may have been, but I, I think you know DC made a big you know Marvel made a big deal saying oh we'll never do what DC did and they're sneaking it in under the radar. Fucking Marvel, <laughs> sneaking it in, oh, yeah. sneaking it in, just like sneaking <laughs> it into Spider Girl. Mm. <laughs> delicious, mm. delicious Spider Girl. Yeah, there's a there's some good news for Spider Girl and there's some bad news with Spider Girl. Uh oh. <laughs> the good news is that the art has gone – it's improved by about 100%, so I'd say it's now slightly above average. Yeah, the artwork in issue six was fantastic. Yeah, it uh, com- compared to the crap that came before, it is uh, very, very good. Yeah, well, I mean it completely stands on its own. I, it, I thought that, that the uh, the artwork of Clayton Henry with Cariello Heighton Wong uh, was fantastic. I, you know, nice, nice uh, – Bright, clean, you know, really like like Wayne says, you know, crisp, clean, you know, superhero art. Uh, you can actually see faces now. They're not just these weird blobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really dug it. Served the story well. I really like the way they handle, you know, when, when Spider-Girl's jumping around. You know, she's got a, uh emblem on her suit that kind of runs the length of her suit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you've got the spider legs, you know, run down the length of her thighs. And... When she's jumping around, the artist has really done some interesting, you know, uh, uh, work with the way that the the emblem and design of the suit works with her body. I thought it was very well drawn. 
Yeah, we've been getting a really good story from Paul Tobin for for six issues, and it's nice to actually have some nice art to go with it now, yeah. finally. And, you know, Spider-Girl kicking Hobgoblin's ass was terrific. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and, and, and uh, there's this scene, you know, because she is hopelessly outclassed by Hobgoblin because, you know, he's got <laughs> he's got powers and tricks and toys and Spider-Girl's just got really good training. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, Spider-Man zipping across town, you know, it does a little cutaway and he's swinging by this high rise apartment where on the TV it says, you know, a deadly battle as the Hobgoblin appears over the Times Square reports of a battle between the madman and the young superhero known as Spider-Girl. You know, go, you know, you see Spider-Man swing by and the news report keeps going. Then, you know, three panels down, you see Spider-Man comes back, looks in the window and then, holy crap, <laughs> you know, he can't fight her. She's going to get herself killed. And so it's it's a race for Spider-Man to come and make an intervention. And he finds out that, you know, Spider-Girl actually had this all figured out. And when he spent millions of dollars to make his uh, anti-Hobgoblin suit so that he could endure Hobgoblin sonic scream. She solved the problem by putting chewing gum in her ears. <laughs> yeah, it's it. You know, first, how big is that TV in that guy's apartment that a dude swinging by on a web is going to notice it and then come back and watch through the window? Well, he's got that nifty, uh, you know, Bose acoustic wave thing going on. So. <laughs> and then, yeah, I loved I loved how she dealt with the hobgoblin because yeah. uh, but although there is one thing that still bothers me, the fact that she she doesn't have any powers, none. Yes. That bugs me a little bit. Well, the fact that she doesn't have any powers and yet she swings across town, yep. you know, with her own upper body strength, she should have these gigantic Popeye arms. Or dislocated or, shoulders. <laughs> or, you know, there's, the spark, there's, there's the part when she first engages the Hobgoblin. He's flying along at a fairly decent clip, you would assume. Mm -hmm. And she hits him straight on with a flying kick. If yeah. he was really moving on a rocket-powered rocket, and she slammed into him going the other direction, she would be broken just because of physics. I don't disagree. As there's Peter can barely swing across town because of uh, the loss of spider sense. Exactly. And, and she's doing the same thing without it better than him, it sounds like. Yeah, I would love to. I would love for her to have just just say, you know, she has some sort of low level strength and agility. She same doesn't way. need to be superpower. Just give her something. I, I, do, I, I will say, you know, that that is a problem for me as well. I, it bugs me that she doesn't have something to help explain why she can, you know, uh, swing across town on her own upper body strength and that kind of thing. Because, you know, most people <laughs> can't climb the rope in a gym class. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. so uh, I, that, that's the only thing that bugs me. But God, this book is enjoyable. Paul Tobin is doing such a fantastic job on this. And of course, we learned what this week, last week, that the book ends at issue eight. And that's the bad news. Yeah. 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 Two more issues and then uh, Spider-Girl no more. And it saddens me because it, it really is good. You know, the, yeah, the story has been good since I started picking it up and the art is finally good. And now it's going away, which is uh, depressing. Yeah. Aaron, did you strike again? I did. Uh, <laughs> <the> <laughs> we can't have anything nice because of Aaron. I know. <laughs> yeah. My, issue eight, the same issue that your other book ended too. God, fuck you, Tim. Yeah, I, I think I'm – you guys are just mean. Well, the one good news is that uh, that may take care of my problem, your problem, and, and let us see. Is that apparently Spider-Girl is going to be showing up in uh, Infected, 
And so she may indeed have spider powers soon. So in Infected, she'll have some kind of like herpes sore on her lip or something? Well, she's going to get bit by a uh, bed bug and perhaps uh, <laughs> develop super strength, super speed, and spider sense. And maybe she'll retain them. Or perhaps no. she'll just get a shot and clear that up. <laughs> a little penicillin. That's right. That's right. Mm. So Amazing Spider-Man infested the road to Spider Island. Uh, issue number 660 of Amazing Spider-Man came out this week. Um, another Future Foundation tie-in uh, written by both Fred Van Lente and Dan Slott with art by Mike McCone and Stefano Caselli. What'd you boys think? Oh my God, this was good. I enjoy. I really enjoyed it. Um, this 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 one was the continuation of the uh, Scooby Doo FF mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it continued that theme too. This is since I've jumped back on the first issue that I've enjoyed the the FF stuff more than the background stories. The payoff between Peter and his girlfriend that I've been talking about. All this time, how much I love that character, that payoff fell flat for me. She let him off the hook way too easy, ridiculously easy, and she has a Spider-Man tattoo. Yeah, I I had a problem with that as well. Oh, I love that. I was really looking forward to the Goblin tattoo. I was too. That's the payoff I wanted, was his reaction to the Goblin tattoo. If she'd gotten the Goblin tattoo, that would have ended things forever, and then they wouldn't be together anymore. They need to be together because Charlie and Peter are perfect. Carly? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What you said. She looks a lot better without the glasses, I gotta say. The glasses make her look smart. I really was enjoying the character, and that she let him off the hook so easy really bothers me. I I wanted him to end up having to reveal his identity to keep her. Well, I don't think she's let him off the hook yet. I mean, I think out of that that little couple pages, I think what you get is her saying... I will trust you for now because you told me another lie that's more, a slightly more believable, and you compared it to the work in the secrets I have to keep from you. But I, I don't think she's forgiven. I think it's going to come up again. I don't think it's done. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I liked that scene. I thought it was pretty decent, and the little yeah. Spider-Man tattoo. I mean, I thought oh, it that was, was hot. drawn. I thought it was drawn lame. You know, it was. You could tell they just superimposed it on a pre-drawn picture. But uh, you know. Peter thought it was sexy, and he's getting some ass. So I go was Peter. just gonna say, you can, you cannot, you cannot forgive me any time as long as I get some tail. Was basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think every time I first, lie to uh, you, he's like, wait a minute. Every time I lie to you, I get some. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I've never had a situation like this before. And she's got that Spider-Man tattoo. Come on, you know that's got to be that's got to be hot for him. Well, you know, I guess what I find so amusing about that, it's like, you know, (laughs) I've had your face tattooed on my on my stomach. (laughs) I mean, that's really what she's done. Oh, that is so hot. I'm going to I get I get to see me on you. That is so hot. (laughs) I I, I do have to say the art. Okay, so Stefano Caselli only did the last three pages of the book. And they had yeah, Mike yeah. McCone did the he did the first seventeen pages. Now I thought Mike McCone did a good job, and yeah, I'm glad know, they they'll do whatever it takes to get the book out on time. Yeah, well, and you know Mike McCone is a fantastic four artist. You know he used to draw the FF, so you know he's real friendly with the uh, with like the thing artwork and whatnot. Um, 
and I loved the the different powers jumping from each of the of the characters. And you know, Spider Man and the Spider Woman costume, oh, hysterical. Yeah. Okay, but my big concern, my the, what I the only problem I had with the art was the resolution of you know Spider Man versus the Stargate because. Hmm. What exactly happened there? It, it wasn't clear to me. They just have this full page spread of Spider Man webbing the Stargate, and then it's over. Like he saved the day. And I'm well, like, I'm still Spider Man, and saving people is what I do. Don't you understand that, Paul? Yeah, yeah but I don't think like, he he didn't do anything to the Stargate. No, right. It was Susan that took the gate out. He's saving yeah. the kids. He's doing a web shield over them while the explosion's happening. Yeah, uh, exactly. She's okay. doing that little gun, that little purplish gun on yeah, the other page. That she was That's building. what kills it. Yeah. Uh, okay, I get it now. It makes a little more sense now. Hey, but on that same page, real quick, uh, there's that picture of Spider-Man in the mid mid row. He, he's got that alternate costume on. Who is he supposed to be there? Kane. Yeah. Yeah. What's that from? From the Spider-Clone saga. Oh, okay. I got a big kick out of seeing him turn into Kane. Yeah. Well, and I, the Spider Woman costume is just hysterical. Well, I was confused because I was like, "Is he supposed to be a girl? Is it a he? Is it a she? I don't know." Well, <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> now we know why you like the issue so much. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to seeing a just Spider Man story that's not a crossover because I jumped back just in time for the crossover, so I haven't had just a Spider Man story. So I'm looking forward to the next issue, hoping it's not a, a not crossover with the Avengers issue. Academy. <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Which looks like this, a lot of fun. And I mean, I love Avengers Academy, and I'm loving FF, but I want to see just the Spider-Man story to to put this into perspective. Well, you should have started at the beginning with that lovely, lovely Umberto Ramos art that you love. Umberto loved. Ramos. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was Pretty a damn strange. Now, what I love about, you know, Spider-Man being a member of the Future Foundation, it's like you're getting not just two amazing Spider-Man stories a month. You're actually getting three. And Future Foundation number three came out this week. You know, of course, featuring, you know, Spider-Man. Of course, you know, he's really not in it much, is he? Spider-Man? Spider-Man? What'd you just say? Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man. Talk about me. He thinks Spider-Man was bad. Good lord. (laughs) (laughs) At least there's no B in Spider-Man. That's right. It's (laughs) Spider-Man. What do you guys think about Future Foundation number three? I dug it. Yeah, it was pretty much all set up, but I I enjoyed it. Set up and backstory. Not a lot of actual, not really a lot happening other than setting up for the next, you know, next couple issues. But it was good. I'm very amused by the the how surreal it is in this mm-hmm. uh, issue. I I love that. Well, I just love that you know we're bringing the villains around. You know, help us figure out how to kill the reeds. Don't kill this reed, but we need to figure out how to kill these other reeds. But not this yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> this is the don't good reed. Actually, yeah, don't actually tell. Don't actually do it. Just tell us how to do it. <laughs> I, I love that conversation. I love that conversation. This is theoretical only. Yeah, he's but, like, I've got the Avengers on standby. If this goes any more than theoretical, we will end you. <laughs> and then, you know, Valerie's like, okay, so I may have made a mistake. And she goes, oh. And then the watcher pops up. Yeah. Valerie's yeah. like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's when you know you're in trouble, when your little side project brings the watcher up. Nothing good <laughs> ever happens when he shows up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, I really did enjoy it. 
you know, half of the issue focused on the uh, the alternate reality reads, and I didn't really read that storyline. Um, but I mean, I was able to follow along enough that you know I, I still enjoyed the book. The Council of Reeds was it was a great story. I, I really dug the Council of Reeds stuff, and I love that you know Hickman's continuing to draw on that. There's that one panel, you know, because what happens is Val goes into Reed's lab, discovers the the secret thing that he wasn't supposed to build, that he was supposed to have taken apart after he built it, and of course he secretly put it back together. Um, she goes. Yeah, exactly. She, yeah, goes the Stargate, yeah. in, she goes in through the Stargate and finds, you know, all the <laughs> alternate reads, you know, finds the Council of Reads, the surviving Council of Reads. And oops, they followed me through. <laughs> and so, you know, the reads are all kind of figuring out what they're going to do. And one of them says, well, that's it then. Uh, time to build something. Farewell, little girl, he says to uh, a vow. I would tell you to behave. But you vows just don't have it in you, do you? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, we see all of this planning and movement by the alternate reads. I like that one of them wasn't able to complete the mission. Yeah. It all seemed – this is – they're all just too perfect. Yeah. And that one of them actually died in the process of trying to. I, I did enjoy that to show that, no, they're not infallible. They can mess up. They, you know, they're not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really kind of – the only thing I didn't like is I kind of missed the dumb Doctor Doom from last issue. because. Yeah. That guy was amusing. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a great book. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't like the cover. <laughs> yeah, the cover makes him look kind of cockeyed. Yeah, I'm not too big on the cover artist they have for this series, but... Yeah. That's fair. That's a small complaint, I guess. But, I mean, it would be a big complaint if it, you know, if I were in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, as much as I enjoyed FF, as much as I enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man and Journey into Mystery, my book of the week has got to be Flashpoint number one. Uh, so Flashpoint number one, which I, uh, I originally I was going to be the only one to pick it up uh, this week, starts the the big DC crossover event of the summer. And even though it's five issues long, um, the last two issues come out in the same month. So it's only going to be four months, which is nice. It's not going to drag on for a year and a half like Blackest Night. So Wayne, I was able to convince to buy it with me. Wayne, what did you think of Flashpoint number one? I pretty much only bought this because your Twitter talked about how – your tweet talked about how good it was. And I was shocked. I really enjoyed it. You know, I thought I was tired of all these alternate reality stories, but this one is good. I mean, I wouldn't buy any tie-ins to it or anything, but I'm on board for for this miniseries. See, I have to say – I'm so interested in this world that I am going to pick up some of the tie-ins. So basically, this is Barry Allen wakes up in an alternate reality. He remembers the world the way it is, but in this alternate reality, he's not the Flash. His mother is still alive, and all sorts of crazy shit's going yeah. on. There's no that, Superman. Uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are both villains. Aquaman has sunk part of a uh, part of a country, and Wonder Woman's taken over England as the new Themyscira. Yeah, the only uh, hero that seems to still exist is Batman. I mean, there are a lot of other heroes. A lot of them are new and a lot of them are changed. But the only one that everyone still talks about as he starts naming names is Batman, who has an even bigger reputation. Yeah. Uh, Batman is, you know, he, he does kill people in this universe. And spoilers on. Tim, help me out here. No? <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Thank you. 
it's not Bruce Wayne. It's Thomas Wayne, who became Batman after his son Bruce and wife Martha were shot. Hmm. Um, so that was a, a cool little revelation. I mean, all sorts of cool stuff. Like like Wayne mentioned, that Aquaman and Wonder Woman are villains, and combined, I'm looking at the page, they killed 132 million people. <laughs> um, Wonder Woman you know, took over the United Kingdom. Aquaman sank Western Europe into the ocean. Uh, so they're at war. Uh, you've got all sorts of cool characters like Shazam, instead of being just Billy Batson, Shazam is a different kid for each letter. So one of them has the wisdom of Solomon and one of them has, you know, the speed of Achilles, things like that. You know, um, and I like the uh, the Captain Marvel that comes out when they call him, which they're calling him kind of reminded me of Captain Planet. Yeah. But I don't like the name Captain Thunder. Yeah, he's I, Captain Thunder and he has like a like a, a, a lion with gold armor like he-man's um whatever he-man's lion was paul, paul th- if you make one more reference to he-man i swear to god <laughs> what i thought was cool though is that he's apparently interacted with wonder woman and his face is all scarred up from the fight mm-hmm. so it looks like she defeated him at some point and abin sur is still the green lantern of uh earth it's just it, it was I mean there it, it I got it's a lot like House of M you know like House of M Wolverine woke up and he was the only one who remembered the real world and he had to fix it but there are enough interesting threads in the storyline that I'm definitely on board and I am going to pick up some of the tie-in miniseries uh, like the Batman tie-in miniseries by Brian Azzarello and um, you know I might get that one because this Batman is particularly interesting the Bat Cave is just a cave with a couple of little wooden tables set up. There's uh, there is one glass case like our Batman keeps the the old costumes in there. The mm-hmm. gun is in there. The gun used to kill his wife and kid is the only thing in a glass case. Uh, it's it's in the art by Andy Kubert. The fact that uh, I read in an interview the other day that they're finishing up issue five like now, like right now. Um, so that means Andy Kubert art. It's all going to be on time. You know, we don't have to worry about delays. And, you know, like I said, it's all going to be done within four months. So I'm, I'm definitely on board. I, you know, this I, I'm, I'm pissed off that they have like 20 tie in books. And but again, I don't have to buy all of them. But, well, you know, if I can get and a at this point, game, I'd been nervous about jumping back into Booster Gold, even though Dan Jurgens was going to be writing it again. Now that I'm reading Flashpoint, I have no reason not to jump back into Booster Gold as soon as he picks it up. So I'll be jumping back into Booster Gold as well. So I'd imagine Booster will play probably play a big role because he would probably, uh, if it's going to be the the impression I get is that he'll know that it's a different timeline also. So that should be interesting. But I, I recommend it. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Good book. Um, if you like those alternate reality type storylines, definitely pick it up. Uh, and this one doesn't have Superman in it, which is kind of interesting. Cyborg is the big hero. But, you know, if you do like Superman, you could always pick up Superman in his monthly book, right, Wayne? Yeah, this is actually the this is the first issue of Superman I've picked up in a while because Superman just doesn't seem like Superman. So after that whole uh, the whole giving up his U.S. citizenship thing that we were ranting about a couple weeks ago, they they obviously in this issue are trying to deal with that. So throughout the course of this issue. I see three American flags, multiple Statues of Liberty, because apparently Metropolis has a Statue of Liberty in it, just across the uh, the street from 
Daily Planet. And on the last page, they had to have created this after that controversy came out because it's a whole page of Superman telling the reader what America means to him. I mean, this is so shoehorned in as he's giving a speech about the, uh, you know, well, maybe maybe she'll have a second chance to find out a second chance. That's what America's about. Really, that's the American way. And he just goes on and on until he ends up with a, you know, and that's and it's for people like me and Livewire, too. That's the idea that America was founded on. But it's not just for people born here. It's for everyone. It was uh, it was very ham handedly dealing with that, you know, dealing with the controversy that had come up. Still, though, I really enjoyed this issue. I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it because this whole walking across America storyline has been horrible. But we actually saw Superman flying and fighting. And we saw what I haven't seen from Superman in probably 10 years at this point. He finds the villain. He just doesn't immediately fight her. The villain's live wire. He starts trying to figure out why she's doing what she's doing, why she's a villain. And he helps her. This issue was the return of that the old Superman containment suit. Did anyone else read in the 90s when he had the energy powers? Yes, when he was uh, Superman blue and Superman red. Yep. Yeah. He he gives Livewire the Superman blue energy costume because her problems are that her powers are messing with her brain because she can't control them. Hmm. So she's from this point on, she's wearing the Superman blue containment costume and she just changes the S symbol into a lightning shield. It was to me that it wouldn't fit her, though. You know, I mean, I don't think they're the same size, Superman and Livewire. It was a containment suit, though. It wasn't containing a physical form. It was containing energy. Ah, this is true. I didn't think about it that way. I got such a kick out of seeing that callback to the 90s. Well, now it makes sense, right, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. Come on, Paul. Yeah, okay. All right. That makes sense. (laughs) Taylors. Yeah. I guess I got such a... Such a kick guy seeing that call back to those 90s stories because I enjoyed the Superman red, Superman blue energy thing. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was still reading DC at the time. And this is the first time in 10 years that in a Superman comic that I've seen a character that actually seems like Superman to me. That doesn't mean I'm on board for the rest of the storyline because it's still continuing this cross country storyline next issue. But yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the for the Superman walkabout to be done. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna try out Superman again. Yeah, it, it was, depends this, on the creative team for me. This was a good one shot in the middle of that storyline. I I was shocked by how much I enjoyed this. I only picked I only bought it because I flipped through it and I saw that Superman blue suit and it hit the nostalgia button for me. Mm-hmm. But I I really enjoyed this. As I don't recommend going back into the whole storyline, but if you have a chance to pick up this issue, it was it was a good single issue. Red Robin, number 23, came out this week. And, and it was not a good single issue. <laughs> I was Red about to say, Robin. <laughs> we've been kind of disappointed in Red Robin for a little while. And um, what did you guys think of uh, issue 23? I, I, I really liked it. I don't know where <laughs> the, the hate's coming from. I felt like this was a, a very much a, a going back to the roots of this character as far as the scheming and the trying to... You know, he Tim has a plan um, to make Gotham better. I, I especially like the scene with Lynx, where you know they Lynx kind of kicks him out of kicks him off a, a window or out of a roof, and halfway down they start making out. <laughs> it's, 
it was very much a a uh, Batman Catwoman thing. I thought it was awesome. I I, I really interested in the storyline behind the you know him trying to take down the the League of Assassins. It looks like. Yeah, I I definitely give you that. Those links pages were great. I loved his interaction with her. The fir- when I jumped into the first page immediately, I was afraid this was the second month in a row that I had missed the first part of the story. And I don't know if that actually is the case or not, if they're just saying here's what happened. But I'm guessing the story probably happened in another book and they're catching us up on it. I uh, I, I like this title better when it seemed to be on its own. It's tying in so much to other books I'm not reading that every time I jump into an issue, I have to figure out what just came before it at this point. You know, I don't I don't get the I I get the feeling because it says it's part one of a of a, a series. I don't think that it I think they just told the story kind of differently. That it's not like you missed an issue of something. It was just a we need to kick it up to speed kind of thing. So, yeah. We start the we started off with him going through a window. Yeah, it was uh yeah, the first page is like this summary of events that you assume happened in another book but as far as i know and you know i've been keeping an eye on the other batman titles this didn't happen anywhere else and that's what i was wondering that's what it that's what made me feel like i was jumping on after having missed something is this summary sounds like it would have happened somewhere else yeah i i agree it it, it definitely could have been something like that but i get the feeling it wasn't yeah but i mean overall not a bad issue uh I'm still not blown away like I, I was, you know, previously with the title, but it's on its way back from a, a pretty shitty run with the internet stuff. Yeah, this is the best issue and probably six issues at this point. And if it had been as bad as the others, I was debating when I picked the book up whether this would be my last issue or not. And it's not because you're right; it is coming back from that. The only weak, the weak part of the storytelling, though. Is this fake death of Lucius Fox? Yeah, they kind of rushed that a little bit. Yeah, it's like it, it happens on one panel. It's not even addressed. Like you know, Lucius can't be dead because Lucius is too big of a character to just, you know, kill in one panel in Red Robin number twenty-three. So you know, even though they're they're saying he's dead, like you know, he's not. He, there's no way. Well, no, but the, but Red Robin also said that they were setting that up, so you know he's not. Yeah. Dead. It's yeah. not even a. They didn't even mention it before the the shooting thing. So it's like, yeah, true. But he also does say he didn't ex- he didn't expect an airborne attack, and he calls himself an idiot. So, but like, he also yeah. says earlier on that the real plan starts after Lucius is dead. So true. it's this is entirely a setup. And that was one thing. The cover has pretty much nothing to do with what's in the book. <laughs> I know, right? Him standing there with two guns, hold, you know, yeah. two smoking guns. The letters page I got a kick out of, though. It's a bunch of people writing in saying he should get the costume that he had in the internet. And then one person saying, no, he's not ready for that costume yet. And they keep pointing back to that one person's letter saying he's not ready for it. Yeah, Adrian Adrian Watts in Melbourne, Australia. I hate your face, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Seriously. He's not ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah, <laughs> two years, two years. He's had a shitty costume. He can have a good costume now. You know, and he even makes fun of his own costume and name constantly. In this issue, he makes fun of the name. It's like my real first name's Red. Why would anyone else, you know, go by the name Red Robin? <laughs> Everybody makes fun of his costume. 
<laughs> Damien makes fun of his costume. Beast Boy makes fun of his costume. <laughs> I think my favorite scene in this issue, though, other than the the jumping out the window kissing scene, because that was really good, was when they're going into the Scarab's base and she gives that code to attack the person behind her. I It made sense. It may, I like that he did catch on, but he almost caught on too late. And then it was just that it was just how quick he was that kept him from dying there. Yeah. yeah overall, not a bad issue. Unlike New Avengers number 12, which <laughs> I am going on record. I have dropped the title after this issue. About time. No shit. God, well, I this say- is awful. This book is so bipolar, it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> you know what? The, uh, what, uh, six, seven pages that take place in modern time, I love. Yeah, absolutely. The 18 pages of 1959 make me want to throw up in my mouth. I loved the first, what, seven, eight issues of this book? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, eight. The first eight issues, because the, the seventh one was the Squirrel Girl. Then you had the, oh, yeah. the Date Night. Date Night was issue eight. Squirrel Girl. But, the last four issues of this book, I have hated. Absolutely but hated. Have you hated the whole thing or just all the 1959 flashback stuff? Even the modern stuff I don't like. I don't like Mike Diodato's art. I really don't. Mm. It's See, just I, not I, working for me. I, you know, I really am digging the Diodato art on, on the book. You know, really? Diodato is, is really a kind of hit and miss for me. But I really warmed up to him on his work on uh, Thunderbolts and Dark Avengers. And this is very reminiscent of Dark Avengers, and it's kind of a dark story uh, in the moderns. But he, I, I hate the photo referencing. I hate that Lawrence Fishburne is in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you know that guy is Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> just like he used to draw Norman Osborn as Tommy Lee Jones. I just, ugh, I don't like that. But, I mean, the story-wise in the modern day, I mean, the whole thing with Superior showing up and talking to Victoria Hand at the end, that was I, – I, I cannot wait to see what happens with that. Yeah. Well, and I, and I also enjoy there's the interrogation scene where Wolverine walks in to the, to the hammer agent that they captured. Yeah. And he's like, you've heard of me? Yes. Yeah, and uh, what have you heard? Well, you know, tell me. You're a mutant. You have, you're an X-Men. You have claws. And when you were told about me, what were you told I'd do? <laughs> what did they tell you is my specialty? And he extends the one claw and just starts tapping it on the table. <laughs> I just love it. I mean, I just, I was, it, that is exactly the guy you send in to interrogate the prisoner because, you know, he is the best he is at what he does. And what he does isn't very nice. That's right. What I loved uh, when Luke Cage was talking to Lawrence Fishburne uh, a couple pages <laughs> earlier about going in to interrogate that lady. I love it because, you know, the, the, the detective, Lawrence, let's call him, is pulling the whole, you know, civilians can't just wander around. And, and Luke Cage pulls out his Avengers card and it says, you know, technically we are government employees. And not to turn to that kind of thing, but we probably outrank you by about 7,000 something. <laughs> the now, final panel is Lawrence just sitting there just quietly. And then the, you go right into the interrogation room with with Wolverine. Can, can we stop calling him uh, Lawrence Fishburne and just call him Mike Turner? <laughs> if we want to date ourselves sure detective turner <laughs> well it, the, the one thing i did like of the 1959 stuff is apparently craven in 1959 uh pretty incompetent apparently yeah yeah and i mean just missing the red skull over and over again you know blasting <laughs> a hole through you know saber tooth 
Well, the look on the Red Skull's face, that was probably the, the best 1950. The guys, the, the soldier staying next to Red Skull, his, his head just disintegrates. Yeah. And the Red Skull in the next panel is just looking off with this look on his face. Yeah, and that is a pretty <laughs> awesome scene, you know, with, with the guy's head just vaporizing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's, I had, there, beyond my usual problem with the Howard Chaykin art, you know, there's the scene underwater where Namora is, you know, uh, fighting the sub yeah you know and she pulls you know one of the one of the uh, ports off the sub and she's you know, kicking the sub's ass is what yeah exactly but there's this scene and it's kind of hard to track but you assume that the red skull underwater comes out of the sub and apparently swings the briefcase with such force as to you know knock namora back right it, it does kind of look like that yeah okay so Namora, Atlantean, at home underwater, versus immortal, yeah, versus this guy who uh, you know with a briefcase is, with a briefcase that he's swinging, you know, left to right <laughs> underwater. <laughs> underwater hits her with such force as to knock her back. And I gotta say, weird. I. I worry about guys with brief, briefcases. Someone shows up with a briefcase. I'm more worried that if they showed up with superpowers. It's just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Well, you know, I don't – for the most part, I don't like the 1959 art. But but real quick, flip that page where they're running out of the burning room at the very beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, Sp- Captain America's there saying, I know you, and, and Nick Fury snapping orders, to, you know, Sable, Bloodstone, you're with me. Look Look at Craven – behind Nick Fury, there's three people running out of the room. There's Craven, Namora, and uh, 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 Sabretooth. Look where Sabretooth's hands are. <laughs> nice. What is going on there? He's helping her bottom out the door. <laughs> that bottom needs help out the door. You got to protect your assets. <laughs> But yeah, I want to be done with this stupid 1959. I want to get back to the good modern day story. I like the Diodato art. It's not a problem for me. I, I hate this 1959 thing. I still don't know how it's going to tie into the modern day storyline. I'm sick of it. Yeah. How many yeah. more freaking issues are in this damn storyline? I don't know. One, I'm done hopefully. with it for now anyway. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. That's fair. And Diodato stays on through the Fear Itself tie-ins. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm done at least till the end of Fear Itself. Well, you got to remember one thing, Paul. It's on my pull list, so. <laughs> so you, you're stuck. You have to buy it. He's in. <laughs> <laughs> but I took it off my pull list, so it'll be there next month. So I'm sure. I'll be- <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get an elbow in your neck. Yeah, <laughs> you right. Put it back. I don't know. I took it off mine last last month, and it didn't show up. So very impressed. Well, I, I'm liking it enough to stay on. I'm not wild about the 1950s stuff, but hey, there wasn't an oral history of the Avengers in the back of this book. So first yay. one in 12 issues. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't sound like there was a tactical whale strike either, though. No, that's true. No, not not a tactical whale strike. Uh, but apparently, there is water nearby. <laughs> now, did anybody else? <laughs> I didn't realize that wasn't the real Red Skull until this issue. Yeah, I don't know how they tell that. I mean, do they do they flip them on their back and check them out? Yeah. I don't. Know. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> He's got a tattoo of a dolphin on his ass. It's obviously That's not right. That's right. Skull. The Spider Man tattoo. On his ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. 
Good stuff. Yeah. Well, that seems like a wrap to me. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, new Avengers killed the radio stars. Yeah. <laughs> we do want to say to, you know, Free Funny Books Day was last week. If you entered a contest, check out ideologyofmadness.com this week to see if you won. Bum, bum, bum. That's right. Plus, we'll have, uh, you know, I got so, you know, tickled about giving shit away. I'm going to give some more stuff away this week. Not exactly sure what that'll be, but there'll be a thing or two up, so check that out. Aaron is giving out blowjobs. Yeah. Well, I'm giving out blowjobs by other people. So, uh, you know, Tim, you're in the queue. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, but he thought about it for a moment. (laughs) You got to call Words could not describe what I was what I, I was couldn't formulate and I was just like I'm just gonna get the hammer you know, I feel sorry for whoever gets Paul because I hear from Andrew that he's a little teethy <laughs> oh my god <laughs> adios what do you want? bye everybody be a triple X parody <laughs> podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope for more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.